to the R. Jackson Home Podcast. This week I'm joined by Jesse and Heather Hornbeek. They are the Tiny Home Family. Uh, you can find them on Instagram at tinyhomefamily.com. Uh, welcome and thanks for coming to talk to us about your story. Yeah. Thanks. So, why don't you, real quick, before we get into the Tiny Home part, both of you are very interesting people. Um, and so, love to hear a little bit of background on both of you. Um, so, yeah, so I, um, I grew up in Nashville and met Jesse here at Union University. And um, we moved around and ended up back in Jackson. I had a studio um, doing photography mostly. For about seven years here, I earned my master's degree and began teaching as an adjunct at Union. And then um, after a couple of years and finishing my degree, I was really interested in moving forward with that career in academia. So I started looking um, for opportunities at Union first, of course, and there there wasn't anything that fit me very well. So I started looking elsewhere at um, schools that I believed were really, um, really good schools that I wanted to be a part of that were thriving. And um, one of those is Asbury University. So um, we went to visit the um, every all the materials online did not represent how great of a program that they have in Mediacom. So we went to visit and it, I was really blown away about how much that they were doing. They have all these opportunities for the students with the Olympics and so many different types of internships available to them. And it seemed like a very good environment for me to start my career in academia. And so um, I interviewed there and um, received a job offer there and we moved in 2016, um, which was craziest year ever because our student our, our oldest started kindergarten Jesse went from owning his own business working 60 hours a week to being full-time dad so we're kind of like we kind of flipped roles and you know I the first year when you're teaching full-time you have no idea what you're doing so mm-hmm. it was just like a lot of learning and trying to get settled in and then um I, I've really enjoyed working there, and I think I believe that some of the best people in the world are actually in that town. Like some of the, some like truly good people are there, and um, but we really had a heart to move back here and to Jackson and be a part of the community, and we've developed a lot of really strong relationships here that we did not have in Kentucky. And um, Jesse was not super you know, into the job that he was doing part-time. And so, and then there was a lot of things happening with tiny homes and it wasn't really working out in Kentucky, but I really, I really wanted to be a part of Asbury. So, um, I pitched this idea that, um, I would try out a year, um, teaching online full-time. So, you know, same exact status, but everything would be fully online. Um, which is kind of kind of the conversations that we've been having a lot anyway in meetings and that kind of thing. So, so um, I pitched the idea. I thought for sure I was gonna like ruin my career by pitching this idea. <laughs> yeah. I, like I went in the office just talking to my boss about it, and he was, you know, at first really he's a pretty intimidating. Well, he can be intimidating. The lean back in the chair with the arms crossed. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Like, oh no, what does he think about <laughs> this? And. Um, but I mean, within a few minutes, he's like, oh, okay, you know, I get it. Um, and so we went back and forth. I was really surprised by the department. Everyone in my department was really supportive of the idea. 
So long story short, it took about five months to jump through hoops to make that happen. And I thought for sure I was going to lose my benefits, you know, all this stuff. And they there's were like, some cash. yeah, there's yeah. going to be something they're going to, you know, administration be like, Ooh, how can we make this cheaper for us kind of thing? But they didn't, they were really excited about the idea. And so I'm the very first, um, profess, full-time professor to teach fully online at Asbury university in photography. Um, oh, sorry. So I teach, I teach a lot of things. <laughs> I teach, um, interactive media one, two, which is basic, you know, Adobe software mm-hmm. and web, web design, getting their personal portfolio up and going. And then I teach one photography class, um, about once a year and, um, a few other classes in instructional design and then I have a journalism design class okay. where we learn how to make a magazine, um, the layout of newspaper, do a news site, that kind of thing. Gotcha. So, um, so yeah, I, I really found my place there and I, I think I built a lot of trust with the, mm-hmm. with the, um, faculty there and, uh, we're just, and I'm, so part of my contract is that I'm writing a paper, which might turn into a book I'm writing with someone else and, um, presenting it to, presenting it to the university and going from there. That's so awesome. it's, it's just a pilot program. Yeah. I did, I did lose my tenure status. That mm-hmm. was the only bad part about it. Um, but I think I'm very confident that this is going to work so well that you know we'll reevaluate by the end of the academic year and um things will work out so um so yeah so that's given us an opportunity to be here in jackson again and then you know doing more having jesse be involved more with our tiny home ideas and tell us a little bit about your background yeah so i grew up in humboldt um met heather at union as she mentioned um and then we moved to Nashville and ended up in Nevada for uh, about a year and then um, ended up back in Jackson. And um, I have been very hands-on. My dad taught me how to work on anything and everything growing up. Um, there was always an old car in the yard that he was <laughs> fixing up to sell. Um, so I got really into auto mechanics and things like that for a while. Uh, he's been in the com- commercial construction industry for his entire life. So I actually worked for one of the um, companies that he worked for and I worked back in the shop and I worked for this uh, crazy guy that him and his brothers both worked for this company and they grew up in California, literally in a junkyard. And he taught me even more things about working with my hands and and anything and everything, any way possible to work on something, whether it was the correct way or not, we would just figure out ways to work on things. Anyway, so I, I gathered a lot of, it really got me into using my hands. Like I, I've always taken things apart ever since I was a little kid. Um, every toy I had, I took it apart and made something else out of it, you know? Um, and that kind of, that time period helped me learn even more, um, about using my hands. Um, so I got really, again, into the mechanics thing and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up back in Jackson, and I played music for a long time. So I've been, like, around audio, pro audio equipment and things some. Um, but I just ended up getting a job through a friend uh, at the time um, doing audio video work in homes, mostly residential, some commercial. Um, 
and I, I just immediately loved it. It was, it was really fun. Um, I learned a lot on the job. You know, I had the, the physical ability working with tools and putting things together and all that was easy. I did not grow up, you know, I lived literally on Jim Bob Scruggs Road in Humboldt, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and there was not even internet out there until I was in college. You know, we didn't have cable, any of that stuff. So I didn't even have a computer until I was like halfway through college. Mm-hmm. It, um, so I didn't grow, grow up around that side of things. So that was a, a bit of a learning curve, but I picked it up. Um, I'm definitely not a the best at it, but I, I do fine. I've been competent in it. So working that business then turned into owning my own business, doing that. Um, so I was in that audio video automation world for, uh, 12 years now. Um, and like Heather said, I had my own business. She had worked really hard to get her masters and we're like, well, we should probably, uh, put this thing that we spent all this money on (laughs) to use. And so we kind of, and I was, yeah, I was just working so many hours and it was, uh, really hard on the family. I mean, I was, you know. I would work all day and then come home and work all night and work for the weekend and being a small business owner, mm-hmm. uh, it just, it just had, never ended. We had babies then. Yeah. Right? I mean, having, having Emery and we just had Ollie and I just felt like I never saw the family and it was just really stressful. And then she had this great opportunity to, to use all this knowledge that she had just gained. And so we just made the decision that, you know, it's time for a change and, um, she got the position at Asbury and, um, yeah, so sold the business and swapped roles and we sold everything, sold everything. Yeah. <laughs> we had two houses, uh, we sold both houses. Like she's talking about, it was a crazy couple months. I mean, within, within like two months, we sold two houses. We sold a business. We sold half of what we had and moved to a new state <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. dro- we took a road trip. Her, uh, master's program was out in Azusa. Uh, California so we took a road trip all the way out west and all the way back it was just like mm-hmm. an insane couple months there um, I wrote all of my syllabi between California and Kentucky <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it um, so yeah just working with my hands and learning and then at some point I kind of got into um, working with like building with wood it was kind of a new thing I'd never really done that and so buying our first home was kind of ex- a a way that I got into learning how to do that. You know, we remodeled part of it, tore down walls, built walls and painted and, you know, um, and that kind of slowly started moving me from the mechanic side to working with wood and, Mm -hmm. and building more structure oriented type Mm -hmm. things. And we bought another house downtown and we gutted half the house. I mean, I gutted the kitchen, the bathroom, finished the basement, built a shop out back, you know? Um, so I got really into that aspect and really interested in, building homes and structures and uh that type of thing um so yeah it's just been this process of like working with my hands in a lot of different ways um that's kind of brought us to where where we are now um which is you know living in a van living in a van essentially uh yeah just we keep getting smaller and smaller um Mm -hmm. so well and so let's talk about the why so you you've you've got this the great job that you've been working a long time for. You've moved to As to Asbury to work, uh, and you're like, let's let's uh, move into a van. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to me. Help help me understand. Yeah, um, I can answer that. Yeah. Um, so when we realized that the 
the whole online thing was going to happen and we're going to be moving back to Jackson. We wanted to take advantage of some traveling. I love to travel so much, but, and so we were looking at options for, um, you know, doing a little bit of traveling during the summer. We actually uh, built a little camper that was, how big was it? I, I bought a used six by 10 trailer six and by 10. built it out of like about 65% <clears throat> kind of upcycled, repurposed material. Lots of, I found these giant pallets at a glass company. Uh, we were up near Lexington, Kentucky, and they had these pallets that were like 12 feet long built out of two by 12s so i was able to rip yeah they were massive and um i was able to rip all that lumber down into like standard two by four dimensional mm -hmm. lumber um so that was kind of like the part of the start of this yeah I've process always, i've always like, been interested in tiny homes and i'm like let's just do it let's just make one and jesse found all the parts and he did like 98 percent of the work i just helped sand and that kind of thing but um so yeah so he built a six by 10 trailer, but then we kind of slowly realized that traveling with a trailer was a lot more cumbersome than we realized, uh, especially with parking. And we started looking at van life, van life builds, and we just happened to find, well, we did a little bit of research, but we found a guy that had a work van that was partially converted and he was willing to do a trade with us. Like he won, what he needed was what we had, what we had just built, a little camper trailer. And he had some life situations that, you know, that made yeah. more sense for him. And then um, the van made more sense to us because we we didn't want to just, you know, drive somewhere and stay for a few weeks. We wanted to drive and stay somewhere for like a couple of days and keep going. And we kind of slowly realized that this, the smaller the vehicle, especially when you don't have, you know, a vehicle and a trailer, the easier it is to, you know, be mobile as possible and park easily. So this van is the, what is it the largest van that you can fit in a normal parking spot? Yeah, it's a 148 inch wheelbase. It's a 2016 Ford Transit uh, cargo van, medium roof, which is a because there's a higher one, right? There's a higher one that's, at these, that's nearly, one for my company. it's nearly yeah. a foot taller. Uh -huh. um, so I, before I built the van out, I could stand up in it. But after I've put the insulation in and the ceiling, um, I have to bend my head ever so slightly. So um, <laughs> you can stand up where the fan is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just needs like a, an inch or two extra. Yeah. So completely stand up. I mean, so we had like the, the big house, as we like to refer to it, like, you know, your kind of standard 1,600 square foot suburban house. Mm -hmm. um, Three bed, two and a half bath yeah. kind of thing. And we just, I don't know, we, we were presented with this opportunity that we may never get presented with again was to have her be able to work remotely. <clears throat> I was already part-time just doing contract AV work for a company in Lexington. So I wasn't tied to anything. Um, so like she has like the perfect career to be able to do something like this. So she's a teacher. So she has relatively speaking the summers off. She still has to do a lot of prep work and things like that. She still gets to keep her full salary and benefits and all these things. So that, that made it entirely possible for us to just, okay, we can sell the big house. We can build out this van and we can go see all these places that I've never seen. She'd actually seen quite a few of them when she was younger, but gosh, that's been... 20 
something almost 30 years for some of them probably mm-hmm. um that we may never get to do again so we're like let's do it you know and we really wanted to be back in um jackson we missed our our friends and family and we also had some opportunities with some of the other things that we've that are uh going on with tiny homes and things like that um there's some possible things maybe with we've i've kind of talked with habitat for humanity about uh, maybe being a part of what they're doing and things like that even before some of the tiny home thing came around so there were there are opportunities for me that were presenting themselves um so yeah, it was a really quick decision. Like we're we're pretty big planners. Um, like I, I'm detailed and will research something to death. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, you just spouted off the wheelbase of your yeah. Head, so so uh, <laughs> and she, Heather's a planner. Like so for us to just well, you're much more of a planner. yeah. I mean, she's a little more free spirited, but she likes to plan things and she's great at like planning trips and all kinds of things like that. And but we just kind of, I mean, we went basically uh like i've been interested in building things and what kind of oddly enough like relit the fire was that my sister-in-law gave me a book um by deke dietrichson who's a big small structure like upcycle tiny home type guy he builds a lot of like tree houses and little backyard structures she gave me this book for christmas and it just like lit a new fire in me just thinking about like oh well what can you do with a tiny space because We'd been watching these like van life videos and like we'd been watching the tiny home videos forever. But for some reason, this book just got us thinking again. And that's what kind of spawned us to build a camper because he had a design in there that he'd built one on like a, I think a four by eight trailer. And it grew from this like basic idea. And the next thing you know, I'm like putting insulation and walls and like cedar trim. And it had two full size beds and a bunk bed configuration it had water like self-contained water we put an rv fan in there it had all the windows came from habitat restore and they all opened i ended up i had a customer like i ended up with like a little 15 inch tv like just it got ridiculous to you know kind of was like well if we're gonna do this you know so it was like fully insulated and the whole the whole deal like fully self-contained other than electricity and we could have put solar on there i guess if we mm-hmm. if we wanted to and then the next thing you know, like like she was saying, we were talking about like, well, let's travel more. You know, we have this opportunity now that we can just hit the road and just be gone as long as we want to. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, let's look for vans, you know? Mm-hmm. And we just, I mean, I looked and looked and looked and this type of van has not been in the United States very long. No, like, yeah. The There's Sprint- not a lot of used ones out there. Yeah, the Mercedes Sprinter has been here for several mm-hmm. years. They're very expensive. They're expensive. They're also diesel. Um, so that's a, a different thing. And I, um, not that anything's wrong with diesel, but I, there is some more maintenance. You know, fuel's mm-hmm. a little bit more expensive. Oil changes are more expensive. Yeah. And just, you're probably more experienced with gas engines. I am. I don't have a lot of experience with diesel. So I was looking at... Um, the Ram Promasters because they're really boxy. Mm-hmm. They're one of the most popular the platforms. Is so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, so they're it's based true. on a Fiat platform, and but they're really really new, and so they're quite expensive. So I was like, all right, let's look at the Ford Transits, and I there was this listing on Craigslist is where we found the van, and it had no pictures. It had about two sentences to it, and I'd looked over it a million times, and finally I I was like, I'm okay. I'm gonna like. I'm going to look at this one more time. What's the worst that could happen? Again? Yeah. Someone like, stealing your credit card. So I, I text the guy and um, he was super excited. Like he had a life, life change situation where he was needed to get rid of the van. It was, you know, he 
uh, owed a lot of money on it, and he's like, hey, I need to off some debt, and but he he goes and climbs in Red River Gorge, and that's why he built the van. So he wasn't building it to live in it full time. He was it was like a weekend thing. Like he would go and stay at the gorge, he'd climb for two or three days, and he just needed a place to stay, sleep, and be able to cook and like kind of hang out. Um, he said it rains like you'll get caught and it'll rain, and you don't really want to leave because you hold yourself up there kind of thing. So that's what his plan was, and he still wanted something to be able to do that with to be able to take up there and stay for a few days. So it was like all these things just kept kind of lining up, mm-hmm. you know, everything worked out at school. And then we found this like perfect trade. So he had a Honda element. He still needed a car, you know, so he ended up with the element and our camper and we ended up with his van and all the parts that came with it. Yeah. And, and it just like, it just kept building and building. And so I, I set a date and I quit my job and for, so I, basically built this van van full time for three weeks. I built it out in three weeks. Um two and weeks it's and it's not we, a it's nothing square in that van. Yeah. <laughs> it was a it, it's been an interest like uh, it's definitely been a learning process. Like building on the, the camper trailer um was so much different than say if I would have built that same structure like I built a house or my shop or anything like that, it would have went twice as fast one the the reused materials are much slower to work with you've got to pull nails out you've got to rip it down to what you need you've got to change it you know sand it more like it's just so much more time consuming like tearing one of those pallets apart is Mm -hmm. just like i spent days pulling all that stuff apart like numerous uh reciprocating saw blades cutting all the you know cutting the nails and um the van there was one day he spent like five hours on one tiny shelf which yeah. is unlike him ridiculous because <laughs> everything is just you know this very specific curve it, it and curved in like four you know curves in all four directions like the the roof curves the wall curves mm-hmm. like the front of the shelf i was tapering it back like to clear some headspace and just all kinds of things and it's just a really slow mm-hmm. process um but yeah so we you know i i worked two weeks solid we got it where it was functional, and then she had a conference to go to in um, Minnesota. Yeah, in St. Paul area, mm-hmm. um, and it was really good to not have it completely finished. Like we had all the the foundational things, but like we didn't have running water yet. We didn't have all of our kitchen shelving done yet, so it was good to go out and spend a week in it. Um, we actually really got to test it out. Yeah, and got we got to see like some of those final tweaks, like what we really needed. So we took four plates, we took four bowls, we took four cups, we took a bunch of silverware, had all this stuff. And <laughs> yeah, like, after a week, you realize all these little. I mean, every in a sixty-five square feet, every little thing is really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we found out that that whole week we didn't use one plate because yeah. we were using like paper towels for sandwiches. You know, and a lot of things you needed bowls for. So, so we went to Ikea and got some, like, plate bowls. Yeah. So they could serve as two purposes. So everything, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff in there that serves, you know, multiple functions. Yeah, we realized we didn't need four cups because we all have our own reusable water bottles. And the boys use theirs all the time. So we just have two cups in case we need to pour some juice or, like, milk or something you know like a non-water type substance so it really helped tweak everything and I mean every like Heather said every square inch counts I to the point that for the ceiling most people are using uh, 
a three quarter inch tongue and groove wood for the ceiling and the walls. They all use the same kind of thing. Well, I I stepped down to a uh, gosh, it may even be thinner than a quarter inch uh, pine tongue and groove, literally to save a half an inch of space because that's my headspace, oh, you yeah. know. Yeah. So thinking through all those little things um, was it. It just really teaches you to rethink how you build and rethink the space that you live in. So the camper taught me a lot of things. You know, we could fit all four of us in 60 square feet in that. Of course, it was taller. It it started at seven feet and tapered down to six so that I could, or six two or something. So we could easily stand anywhere in the whole thing. Um, even that, like I built little shelves and everywhere. We had bookshelves and like all kinds of little things. I even built like a little audio system, like built custom speakers that go in there that fit like perfectly on this shelf so that we could have like music and, mm-hmm. um, and I, I like to backpack and I think that helped mm-hmm. me understand space a little bit better. Like, mm-hmm. especially with food because food takes up so much space. So think when you go to the grocery store thinking about like, um, you know, granola bar like you get a whole box of granola bars you have to take them all out and put them in the drawers before you can't just put the whole box in there yeah like all these little things that and then you know certain types of food just take up more space and more energy like we have a cooktop that is um propane by what is it it's it's a single burner camp pipe stove that uses a a butane canister or you can hook a one of those little green propane tanks to it if you need to but the they're about the size of a uh, spray paint can, butane. But anyway, the, the when you're backpacking, you you realize pretty quickly, with the exception of ramen noodles, that rice and pasta takes up so much energy and so much water. Also, so like thinking about all of those all those like food options that we have at the grocery store that doesn't take as much time and doesn't take as much water and energy. Mm-hmm and eating fresh we've ate a lot of salads because it was just Mm -hmm. easier um you know fresh fruits and vegetables and that kind of thing so thinking through and then we have a little fridge too that it looks smaller than it really is so you could fit quite a bit in there but thinking through you know the space in the fridge you can't just you know fill up your shopping cart and expect to get it all in there yeah (laughs) and then like you know just simple things like ketchup like we can't buy ketchup, so we go to McDonald's and steal all the little, <laughs> <laughs> all the little packets of ketchup. And you know that's something that I did hiking. You know, because you want to have like a tuna wrap, but you can't put a whole bottle of mayonnaise in there, kind of thing. So you just bring little packets and just all these little tiny things that make such a huge difference. Like these little tiny hacks that help van life, you know, be more pleasant and yeah, <laughs> I make mean, it work. The I don't know if you. You know the van specs like we they're on the website, um, but tinyhomefamily.com. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we have a fridge. It's forty four quarts, which you probably you most people aren't thinking of their fridge in quarts. You hear it in cubic inches. You oh, know. Yeah. So it's it's a chest style fridge. It looks like a cooler, um, but allow that format is really popular in the van world because it allows you to put more stuff down in there because mm-hmm. you. It does make it more annoying to dig it all out, but yeah. you can get There's a surprising no amount of, of food in that thing. It has a has a little metal uh, 
carrier that can come out and you could even take that in the grocery store and fill it up so you know yeah. how much you can you know but we got used to just knowing like we would get the little small cart at the grocery store you mm-hmm. know it's like okay this is about what we can hold yeah. in our fridge and you just go to the grocery store more regularly. yeah instead of like once every week and a half or a week you know we go every three four mm-hmm. five days it just depends on how much we want to pack in there it depends on where we go you know if, if we know yeah it's like up. okay we're going to be out here for like four or five days we need to cram we're going to be bursting at the seams with food for a day or two until we eat through through some of it. But, yeah, so we have the fridge. We have uh, 10 gallons of fresh water. We have a 5-gallon gray water tank. Um, we have full solar. We have 400 watts of uh, flexible solar panels on the roof. We have uh, 200 amp hours of battery. Um, so I had to learn. I'd never done solar before. I did a lot of 12-volt car audio stuff in high school and college but I'd never done a multi-battery setup and it's a little mm-hmm. different with all that so I um that was a learning experience that that was probably one of the most time consuming things really even hard. coming from a wiring background I'm mm-hmm. very confident in high voltage and low voltage wiring mm-hmm. it's a different yeah. thing which means that I will definitely never attempt to do it yeah <laughs> it, it it's really easy once you kind of get the basic process down but just thinking through you know, well, solar panels, we're talking mainly about 12 volts, you know, low voltage, but we have all these high voltage things. Mm-hmm. So I wired high voltage and low voltage. We did USB outlets to charge all our devices and run like little fans and extra lighting. There's LED lighting all throughout. But we also ran an inverter uh, that converts a 12 volt uh, up to 120, 110, so that you can run your high voltage stuff. So I have outlets everywhere. But after using it, we realized how parasitic the high voltage conversion process is to the 12 volt, and we were just blowing through our batteries. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a factor of 10. So, if you have like a, a 5 amp high voltage device, 110 device, well, that's 50 amps in the 12 volt system. So, I'm using 50 amps of my usable yeah. out of 200 and it goes quick. So basically we just got where we just never use the high voltage because the lights run off 12 voltage. Um, our water pump for the water system runs off 12 voltage. We have two RV fans in the ceiling. Those are all low voltage. Our USB ports to charge all the devices. So if she needed to charge her computer. We just have a little small power inverter that we plug into the van while we're driving and charge it. Mm-hmm. And it like learned that the 12 volt system is just so much more efficient than all the high voltage stuff and, and kind of got us thinking about, well, wow, it like solar is so much cheaper. It taught us how we can, once we get into the next phase of uh, our tiny home or tiny house on a foundation or whatever, that we could run like majority of our house other than off like that. the big items yeah. off of just solar for not a lot of money, you know? Yeah. And, and that's a lot of the nuts and bolts and stuff, but I have three kids. Yeah. I can't imagine, now they're two, two, and three, Yeah. so that may, you know, make it different. I can't imagine being trapped in that small of a space. Yeah. <laughs> so talk, I mean, yeah, are you guys just like much better parents than I am? <laughs> well. Yeah, well, one, uh, we should address some FAQs. One of our most frequent questions is hygiene mm. with the four of us, because we do not have a shower. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I won't go into specifics on our toilet situation, but we have... It has improved. It has improved. We have an actual <laughs> toilet now. Um, or an, I don't know what kind of toilet it is. It's a portable toilet, yes. It, it flushes. Has, and it flushes and everything. All that good stuff. But um, So a lot of people keep asking about showers and the kids. And honestly, the 
the mornings were a little bit, you know, we were kind of on top of each other because everybody's waking up at the same time. The kids usually wake up, you know, as soon as somebody gets out of bed to go to the restroom, like everybody's up kind of yeah. thing. Um, so, but the whole idea is that you're not living in the van. Okay. And everywhere we went, we were chasing nice climates. So, you know, summer was just deathly hot here in Jackson. Mm-hmm. So we just kept going north and north and north yeah. until until it was comfortable. Because sleeping is really, you know, you need to be cool when you're sleeping. Um, so we got us. to... At least we do. Yeah, at least we do. <laughs> Some people may okay, maybe okay sweating, but oh, we're so not. That's, so, that's a, so that's something I wouldn't, I would have assumed that you'd be running the van. No, so we it, there's no AC for the living quarters, just AC in the van. So the van does not run uh, once we're stopped. Gotcha. Only rare occasions where we've been in places where it's just 90-something degrees and humid at mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night, we'll just start the van and run the AC for a while and gotcha. cool it down. Because mm-hmm. the, the RV fans pull a lot of air, but one in that climate, in. yeah, they're reversible, so one can push and one can pull air out, and so you kind of create this breeze, mm-hmm. um, but in that type of climate, it's just too stinking hot, mm-hmm. it's, you're just going to be sweating, so, gotcha. um, so yeah, so to answer your question, as long as everyone's comfortable, mm-hmm. that if you can get to that point, then we're all, we're all getting along yeah. fine, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we went, um, we kept going north. We ended up in Sioux Falls, and that's was the point where we were like, "Oh, finally, we've escaped this humidity yeah. and this heat, um, and we can sleep better." We were sleeping fine, but you know, it's just a little bit easier when it's a little bit cooler outside, mm-hmm. and you can wake up and it's like you know, sixty degrees instead of eighty degrees in the morning. Um, and then we just started going west after that. So, um, so yeah. But as far as I just wanted to address the shower thing because I get that I get that question a lot. Yeah. Um, One thing with our kids that we did, um, if we didn't have, if we had a few days before we ended up taking a shower, was um, our kids' feet smell horrible, (laughs) and so we had this like ritual. um, I don't know if you kind of gathered that we have we actually have um, a water pump and we yeah we have a sink we have running water like. We have a normal it's a full sink. kitchen. I mean, we mm-hmm. have cabinets and just like kit, real kitchen cabinets and the whole deal. So we had this ritual every night before bed that they would take like a foot bath. <laughs> and they thought it was the most fun thing yeah. ever. That's and so we kind of like went back to, you know, 200 years ago where if your feet are clean, your hands are clean, your face are clean, then you're pretty much, you're, you're, good. you're yeah. pretty good. So, so you weren't like making it to Sioux Falls and then taking an Airbnb for a night. No. no, we we I gave that option to mm-hmm. us because I wanted I didn't want to commit to anything. Yeah, I was like I had some hotel points. Yeah, right. we were yeah. just figuring it out. You know, I had some hotel points racked up. But like, we can totally get in a hotel mm-hmm. if it's just miserable. Like the whole trip needs to be enjoyable. I don't want to be mm-hmm. you know doing this as a challenge or you yeah, know. it's to be fun and it's you know have fun. a good time. Like it's not. <laughs> but we never we never stayed in one hotel. We mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. Um, it was just easier, and so we, uh, just depending on where, we went up north, so there's no humidity, we're not really sweating. Or, or less, there were, there were some times when it was a little humid, but yeah. there's much less, you know. Yeah, I mean, you weren't, you, we were never sweaty, so we never really felt that dirty. Yeah. Um, and when we did, we stayed at campsites, they have showers, we visited a lot of friends, and we were like, hey, can we take a shower? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, yes, of course. Um, 
and even so when we, we never visited really France, had any issues with showers? And yeah. I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, that sounds." And um, th- the best product in that van are baby wipes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like even if you feel a little bit dirty, you can you know wipe yourself mm-hmm. with some baby yeah. wipes and feel good as you know at least half showered. <laughs> yeah. Even when we stayed with friends, most of the time we would still sleep in the van. If they had yeah. kids, sometimes the kids would stay inside, but Heather and I, cause there's two full size beds in a bunk configuration. So it's, it's comfortable. It's a little tight. Our bed runs, uh, side to side. And then the boys bed runs lengthwise. Um, so it's, it's like six foot two in that van. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, I'm right at six feet. So it's just barely enough room, but mm-hmm. it's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you're back in Jackson. Yes. And it's gross and hot and sweaty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So are you guys still living in the van? No. 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 Oh, okay. <laughs> no, we are. We found some temporary housing. We we looked and looked, um, which also kind of taught us a lesson about just temporary housing and, like, mm-hmm. cheap housing, you know, because... Yeah, affordable housing is a problem. Like, America. yeah, it, it, it further, like, uh, solidified this thought that we already had in part of our process of like how how hard it is to find cheap housing and also temporary like short-term housing um so we were looking at like longer-term airbnbs mm-hmm. jackson surprisingly has a um a, a good number of those because mm-hmm. of the hospital bringing mm-hmm. in um short-term work you know and they need housing um so we were looking at those and we were looking at like short-term leases with apartments or uh rentals and homes and it was just also complicated like the utilities part yeah. that's what that's the appeal to the airbnb is that it's fully furnished the utilities are already on it's all included but the price is just astronomical i mean we you know? looked at a house that we could have rented for what six months and it was basically a shack <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean six hundred dollars a month plus utilities and it was drafty so it'd probably be you know close to nine hundred dollars a yeah. month to live there and we could live you know i mean it was it wasn't safe it's it was moldy and we could live in our van for <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean we could like, have made run, run it all night. we could have made <laughs> do, a lot less than that and, and we, we just happened safer. to um get lucky and from our close friends parents have two homes and they're in their other home in the summer it's up north mm-hmm. and so they have this fully furnished house with all the utilities on just sitting there doing nothing and they were gracious enough to um, work out a deal with us um, to let us rent that space while they're gone. Uh, and they they actually are getting back um, about the time that we're going to hit the road again. So we've spent seven weeks so far in the van. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a saying that Heather kind of touched on it. There's a saying in the, the van life world that you don't live in your van, you live out of your van. So the van is a means to get you to the place that you want to be. Mm-hmm. So it's a place to cook food. It's a place to sleep. Uh, sometimes it's a place to hang out, but it's a, it's an, not really. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, for a short time, like, yeah, watch a movie. Or yeah. Something. Well, like, you know, the Netflix and chill thing at night or whatever, you know, uh, <laughs> So it's it's just a, a means by which to get you to all these amazing places. And, you know, we get to see those places like the um, Tetons and mm-hmm. Moab and the Arches and Badlands. Those are some of our favorites. And They're out, just out west, amazing. there are I a mean, lot of BLM lands and a lot of the BLM lands. Land yes. Uh-huh. 
and you know public lands and rangers are actually really they want you to find these lands as well they're very friendly with that um we actually had an app called oh my gosh i just forgot the name of it no, we used a couple you had the the one i, I can't remember Anyway, um, we had an app that we used to find those, and we found so many free spots. Mm. I mean, yeah. we were in, at the Grand Tetons. We were up on this hill, and you could see the entire, you know, the entire Part, range like, of yeah, the mountains. Yeah, it's just amazing. And just like, just a few miles below, people were spending four or $500 a night on their hotel. Yeah. In, in seven <laughs> weeks, we spent less than $250 on parking or housing. Mm. Um, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we lit, we had fresh water. We, you, you know, finding water is like one of the big things in the van world, like yeah. where to get good, clean water to drink. We do have a filtration system. Um, so it's not, it's not a Berkey or anything, you know, so, but we can, we can get water from some questionable places. Like we would get water from parks sometimes. You've probably never even looked for it. You know at a park but a lot of parks have a hydrant and it's mm. potable water like city parks yeah. so we back up we have a 50 foot like expandable hose if we have an rv type fill port and fill our tank it goes through the filter and it tastes amazing um mm -hmm. so stuff like that you know so, um and so you're back in jackson what's the next phase so you're gonna be gone again you said yes but long term mm -hmm. you're, you were talk, telling me about the next phase of your, your yeah. project yeah so in october we're gonna um I, we're going to go see my sister in D.C., and part of my job that I wanted to take advantage of was interviewing various people within vocations that are relevant to what I'm teaching. So we're going to go to D.C. and New York City and then possibly get on to Florida for a conference. And then after that, it'll be holiday time, so we'll do family holiday stuff. And then January, there, there's a lot of things that are just kind of up in the air right now, but... In 2020, we're hoping to have a um, community of tiny homes started and our own, starting with our own personal mm -hmm. tiny home on some land here in downtown Jackson, Tennessee, which you can talk about. Yeah. So we, we kind of, I don't, we didn't like sit down at the beginning and figure out here's our four step plan, but over the course of all this, it's kind of worked out that way. Mm -hmm. So we had the big house and we sold the big house and that was plan one. Plan two was to build out the van um, and travel. And then plan three was to have a tiny house on wheels. And then plan four is to have a small foundation home. And so we're kind of in the middle of, of part two and three right now. We're still going to travel. We're going to head out mid-October and be gone about another seven weeks, work our way down the East Coast. Um, but we're we're also starting a program, and I'm, this is primarily what I'm what I'm doing um, is I'm working with the city of Jackson to develop a program to implement tiny homes in the city of Jackson. Um, so tiny homes or movable tiny homes, um, as well as foundation homes. So just anything small, a tiny home is usually considered any house under 500 square feet. And why is it, and this is my ignorance, why does there need to be a program? Is there some sort of conflict normally? Yeah. So mm -hmm. most cities have regulations, um, that do not allow a, a residential home to be built under a certain amount of square footage. In huh. uh, Jackson, in general, there is there is not a one square foot rule. There is a rule that says that habitable spaces must be at least seventy square feet. So living room, 
bathroom, kitchen, bedroom must so be a five minimum. Feet bigger than your pantry. Must be a minimum of seventy square feet per room. Per oh, room. Per room. Mm-hmm. Per room. So, so the bathroom has to be exactly or at least, at least 70, seventy square feet. Square feet. Yeah. The living room has to be exactly at least kitchen. that much. Yeah. So I've never heard of this rule before. So yeah. you can even even with Jackson's existing rules, you can build a, a pretty small structure right now legally with no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem would be where you're allowed to actually build that small of a structure. Um, and then the other thing that's a bigger issue is, and it's not just Jackson, it's everywhere, is the whole tiny house on wheels thing. You know, most everyone's probably seen one of the shows where you've got a house on wheels, it's movable. Um, the movement started around 2007 and has been the current movement anyway. Uh, building and building, building and building. Um, so where the big issue comes in is what is it, you know? Uh, generally speaking, they're built just like a house. Most of them are two by four framing, 16 on center, um, just like any other house would be built, except they just happen to be attached to a trailer. Mm-hmm. And it originally started because people were like, hey, look, I can, I'm tired of paying all this money. I live in this one spot. I want to travel, but I want to take my house with me. RVs are recreational vehicles. They're not necessarily made to live in permanently. And they're enormously expensive. They can be, yeah, you can get a used one. The depreciation is pretty heavy on them, Mm -hmm. so you can get a used one, but the insulation is nowhere near as good. A lot of the Mm -hmm. fixtures in them, I mean, it's it's just a thing in the RV world. They're built really fast. Yeah, if you if you buy a new one, you drive it off the lot, you're just going to expect to take it back to the dealer at least two, three, four, sometimes five times to get little things that are broken fixed. The the idea, most people say buy one that's two or three years old. That way, all the Kinks have been worked out because they're just built on yeah. just as fast as they can, That's you know, crazy. with and somewhat inferior materials. Not all. I mean, obviously there are nicer ones, you know. But if you're looking to do it on a budget, you're not going to get one of the, the nice super nice ones. Well, you know? even the nice ones. You had some friends that had like a hundred thousand dollars. I had a client that that bought a, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollar coach, sold their house and toured, and they were just driving down the road and the whole ceiling just fell down on them. While you're driving, all the electrical oh fell down. Like from the, you know, it was more than that, I think. You know, so just crazy stuff like this. So, you know, this whole tiny home on wheels thing came about. Um, and it originally, again, started to, to be like mobile. Like I want to have, just like my house, I want to have a bathroom and a shower. And I want to have standard framing. I want it to look like a house. I don't, I don't want it to be like a flat aluminum wall with, tribal graphics on it or whatever they have on there you know i want it to just look like a house you know and so that that kind of started the whole thing um so it's neither an rv and it's not a house yeah it's it's not a manufactured home most people know as a mobile home so people we're still even even the movement being as old as it is it is that no one has put a name on it the government it's still relatively small mm-hmm. even though there are many thousands of them in the united states now mm-hmm. and it just keeps growing every single builder is booked out about six months um so yeah it, it's like it's still in this kind of growth phase um about it, it's caught in a midpoint about what it is you know um so that's what makes it illegal in most cities because it has wheels you know um so we're working on a on a program that would allow um those types of structures, uh, movable tiny homes, to be placed in the city of Jackson um, for this, a short period of time. 
and the city has good motivation to be hesitant about it. Yeah. Just, I mean, you don't know what to call it. You know, they want to prevent people just bringing in anything that has wheels right. on it and, you know, being an eyesore for everyone and you yeah. know, not helping with property value. Property values is a big thing. Yeah, there, there's a wide number of reasons. That's going to be part of our process. You know, um, the reason we're doing this, you know, most... What usually happens in a city with tiny homes is that people decide they want them, they bring them in, the city says, uh, no, <laughs> you know, you can't do this. This doesn't mean code, you need to move, they'll move it somewhere else and get caught again. So it starts this tension between an individual or a group of individuals in the city from the get-go, and then you have to fight and argue and and develop all the rules and all that and try to figure out. So I I came up with this idea, like, well, what if we start from the beginning working with the city Let's do it on a temporary basis. Um, let's test the market out and let's see what do people think about this. What do they want? What do they not want? What do they like? Not like? Where were they okay with them being? Were they not okay with them being? And so I think this process will. It, I've already seen it move along faster than I have seen other processes move in other cities. Mm -hmm. Just because I started. You, you, didn't, you uh, asked for permission, not forgiveness. Yes, right. and that that's always the thing. You know, I took the chance. Like, I'm going to just ask and see. And it's been surprisingly well accepted. There's a need Very for supportive. smaller, affordable housing, singles, couples, um, retirement age individuals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, most cities, one of the largest demands is smaller, single-level homes for retirement individuals. Mm -hmm. um, so... But the city's been surprising. I mean, there's some good people here in Jackson yeah. that work for the city that have not only been supportive, but eager to provide resources for us as yeah. well. So it's been, it's it's going to happen. Yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, getting the community to let us know what they want and what yeah. they need and if they want it at all. But there's some pretty strong evidence that uh, when a city it does become friendly with tiny homes, that other people will actually move here. Yeah. So that's part of you know, mm -hmm. part of the reason too is we want Jackson to keep thriving and mm -hmm. bring in um, bring in good people and people who are progressive and thinking about minimal a minimal lifestyle. And yeah. So we hit we see some good a good future. It's just gonna take it's gonna take a little. It'll bit. take a little time. It takes some work. Um. But yeah, so we're talking about small foundation homes, you know, tiny houses on wheels. Um, I mean, lots of schools are um, starting to use this platform as a way to teach uh, students, high school and uh, like tech schools, how to uh, teach skills, you know, because to build a normal house, you've got to put them in a bus, transport yeah. them over there. It's going to be a lot of money. It's a huge project. But now I can, they can buy a trailer. Buy a trailer, build it in the shop or out in the parking lot, and teach all the same skills plus even more skills because well, I now have to bolt it to the trailer. It has to be watertight. Mm -hmm. Has to be super strong because it's going to move. It's also teaching people to think about how to use space better because you have to again you have to use every square inch to make it uh, usable, and so they're learning all these skills that they would normally learn building a big house, but they're getting to learn all these extra skills that they can then apply to all these other areas. Um, and then most of them are able to sell the house when they're done, yeah. put the money right back into the program and keep it going. Um, so the, the uses for this type of structure are just 
they just keep branching out. I mean, like homeless, working poor, um, there's been a huge uh, uh, growth in the veteran community to help uh, veterans, uh, homeless veterans and, and things like that to get housing because um, it's just it's smaller. It doesn't mean you go without. They have full kitchens, they have full bathrooms, most of them are tiled. Um, most of the tiny houses on wheels are built to the spec that like a really high-end home would be built to. They're not built to your normal like track home type thing. You know, they've nice got appliances, yeah. marble marble in the bathroom. Yeah, like, I mean tiled granite. bathrooms that most of them have spray foam, they have PEX plumbing. Um, they have all solid like tongue and groove wood walls and ceilings, like solid wood cabinets, you know. It's a brand new house yeah. built like a really expensive house would be just in a smaller form. And there are some companies who are building even more affordable mm -hmm. versions because they have gotten rather, you put all those nice finishes in there, it, it can up. get expensive. It, yeah. it gets expensive pretty quick. You still have all the really expensive things that you have in a big house. Like your kitchen is expensive. You still have a stove and a fridge and a sink. You have a tub and a toilet and all these all these big items you have HVAC you know a mini split system in the in the really nice tiny houses that have the really nice appliances there's price per square footage is sometimes double or triple than the house next door even though the house next door yeah. is like 3,000 square yeah. feet mm -hmm. and so it protects property values for the neighborhood yeah mm -hmm. there there are lots of like that's one of the arguments is like oh our property values going down because this thing on wheels is coming in and stuff like that but um, Heather has read some studies that show just the opposite because the the price per square foot is higher or the the especially the, in the in the south yeah mm -hmm. and the people that want to live in them are really invested in the community because a lot of the a lot of people there was a study um, I think I have a link to it on the website um, a doctoral study done um, by a lady that found that whether people intended to or not going smaller um, caused them to live more aware of their surroundings and their community and they got out more and they started eating better and they started all these things it's environmentally that, friendly you're not using as you know much energy much to power stuff, the home you know mm -hmm. um there's just there it i could talk about it forever i know we have limited time it's just there's just so many aspects to it and it's not for everyone that's the thing i want to like make clear um you know this is not a solution for everyone. This is probably not even a long-term solution for everyone. For a lot of people, it can be. It can, like, you could live there 30 years, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a huge gap in the housing market. We have so many friends um, who are young, uh, single, or even uh, single moms, retirement age individuals, who they have no other choice than to either buy a house that's way larger than they need um, or pay rent that is way more than they can afford mm -hmm. you know and it's not just about the cost and a lot of these are older homes that are very expensive yeah. to heat and cool and it's not just about the cost of the house on the front end like a lot of the, the tiny home prices you're looking at like 40 to 80 thousand on average for a really you know, smaller one up to large one that would fit a family of four like mm -hmm. us um well, yeah, you can go buy an $80,000 house in Jackson. Yeah. Not a lot of them. There, there no, are a few, but they're cool. out there. You can get them. You're looking at probably still 1,000 to 12, 13. I've even seen some in the 1,500 square foot range. But they're 60 years old. The insulation's not going to mm -hmm. be there. They're going to need work. Yeah. Um, the neighborhood might be a little. May or may not be. I mean, yeah. there are some in good neighborhoods. 
Um, but it's a long-term cost. Well, now you've got this big house that you don't need all that room, so you're going to buy stuff to fill it. The energy is going to cost more, all that. Although I might be paying a lot of money for like three, 400 square feet, my long-term costs are going to go down and down and down versus a big house. So that, that we have to kind of rethink the way we think about value. Mm-hmm. And it's not just price per price. I'm also getting a brand new home built with modern technology. There are a lot of tiny homeowners say they're spending 30 bucks a month on electricity, you know, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. And that's part of the process of what we're going to do here. We're going to, it's going to be a big data gather to, to learn like, okay, we're going to have four to six homes as part of this demonstration program that we're hopefully going to launch pretty soon. And the participants will be on the forefront of bringing this type of housing into Jackson. And they're going to help us, uh, help the city learn, uh, like educate the city mm-hmm. about what this type of living is like and we're going to gather all kinds of data um so we have some strong numbers that yeah. show this is yeah. how much this it costs this is what the utilities yeah. cost this is what you know it doesn't really, really exist right facts. now no one's done that so we're wanting to huh. do that to help yeah. the city learn and and help the city learn about well what do our people need and i think a lot of times like um and that's one of the things like heather mentioned that we're wanting to be conscious of is not just going in and doing what we think should be done, mm-hmm. but like finding out what working with the community, what the community yeah. really wants. If they don't want this, then we're not going to do it. Yeah. You know, so that's why it's like the temporary idea is so key. Is that even if you don't like this idea, it's only going to be here for a little while, yeah, and we're tough. and we're going to leave. You know, yeah. unfortunately, we're going to make it. We're all of us that want to participate in the program are going to spend a lot of money relatively to us. You know, we're we don't have. $80,000 to just go write a check, you know, yeah. but we're going to make that happen. We're going to buy that. And with the thought that if Jackson doesn't want this, then now we have to find a place to, to move it, to. To, move it yeah. to or sell it and get a traditional home and things like that. So, yeah. And um, so if people want to keep up with the tiny home project and mm-hmm. the tiny home family and your project in Jackson, what's the best way to do that? Um, Instagram. Yeah. And in, well, Instagram, but also there's, uh, we haven't, a contact, a connect link on the website. So you can go to Tiny Home Family and find a lot of information about um, the van. You can find information about Tiny Homes. I have a, a large resource of communities and information about downsizing, what Tiny Home is all about, the difference between a ha- tiny house on wheels and foundation and prefab and all this kind of stuff. Eventually we will have a link once we get every, the details worked about the program. There will be a link uh, directly Jesse, to Jesse built this site all by himself I'm so proud of him <laughs> uh, but the details about the program um, so yeah if you if especially if, if you're interested in the tiny home idea um, please go to the website uh, send us an email through the website or go on Instagram and send me a message and I would love to talk to you if you especially if you're interested in being a part of the program and and you want to be one of the first people in Jackson, Tennessee to have a, a tiny house on wheels, then um, please let me know. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. Um, I hope I, this is part of the thing that we're learning. I've never made it. We've never developed land or done a housing development. Or we don't know how fast or slow this process mm-hmm. works. I'm hoping uh, to be able to start the application process in October, maybe run it through December. Um, and then hopefully us personally can place our home by January, February, and then the other participants in the spring, summer. Um, that's kind of the 
that's that's probably hopeful. It's a loose timeline. That's a very loose timeline. That's my very hopeful plan. Um, but again, the city's been really, really receptive, and uh, we already kind of have the green light. It's just the little details to get worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, that's very exciting. Yeah. Well, Jesse and Heather, thank you so much for joining us yeah. on the podcast today. Thank you for choosing to come back to Jackson. Yeah. And make it a making it a little bit more of a, a tiny place. Yeah. I will like to thank uh, would like to thank Aaron Harden for our pictures on the website. Yeah. Uh, he go Aaron. He did. He those... also does the music for our podcast. Okay. Oh, he? he did it pro bono. So uh, if you need if you need your picture taken, go <laughs> talk to Aaron. Yeah. All right. Today's podcast was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger. Our intro music was performed by Aaron Harden. It was recorded live at The Co. To find out more about The Co., visit the website at www.attheco.com. To find out more about our Jackson home and read more about how amazing Jackson is, visit rjacksonhome.com.